This is Navigating Now, the podcast to help find answers to the big questions we have about life. Welcome back. Last time we explored how to do what you love in our careers and wider lives. Craig, Hannah and Emma navigated us through questions such as, could my passion be a viable career option? And we heard advice from TV presenter and travel enthusiast Charlie Borman and TV and radio presenter Melvin Odoom. At the end of the last episode, Emma left us with an audio diary entry, sharing her progress, trying out a piece of advice from TV presenter Melvin O'Doom on the power of believing in yourself. Let's check back in with Emma and find out if this bit of advice works for her. Now that I have done my first week back at work from being off, I use those little nuggets of advice that we talked about in the round table to just big myself up a bit and prepare myself, just do what I needed to do, knowing that I didn't need to be stressed and just reminding myself that I can do it and I have done it, so I am proud of myself. Nice one, Emma. Thanks for sharing your journey with us. This feels like a great time to check back in with Oni, who I've been having catch-ups with. All of the advice they gave were like amazing. Sheree gave some really good advice about asking yourself, if you want to go down this career path, do you see yourself enjoying it in the next couple of years? If not, then why do you still want to do it? That stuck with me because I don't like regretting things. I don't like regretting my choices. So it's like if I think ahead and plan what I really want to do, not what my parents or what my school or what my friends want me to do, it gives me more control over my life. And it's like I'd, I'd rather live for myself rather than for someone else. I completely agree. I really like what Shay said about picturing myself doing work 10 years in the future. Am I still really going to love it like I do now? I think it's really important to make sure that happiness lasts a lot longer in your working life. It's always so great to catch up with you, Oni. Now let's get into today's theme. Today we're discussing the environment, a term often associated with headlines like climate change, global warming and emergency. Nowadays, it's difficult to find someone who isn't aware of the major challenges our planet is facing. Our generation in particular understands the consequences of not taking action on environmental issues and young people have been proactive through various initiatives such as school strikes for climate that were held worldwide. But discussion around the environment isn't limited to saving and protecting it. It's about exploring nature and really appreciating everything positive and beautiful it offers to us all. In today's episode, Gracie, Rob and Katrina from our podcast group explore what the environment means to them and listen to advice on how we can each contribute to preserving our planet. Hi, I'm Gracie. My pronouns are she, her. I'm 15 years old and I'm from Northamptonshire. Hi, my name is Rob. My pronouns are he, him. I'm 25 years old and I'm currently in Kent in the southeast of England. Hi, my name is Katrina. I'm 21 years old from South London and my pronouns are she, her. So, Katrina and Gracie, we all have a relationship to the environment. How would you summarise what the environment means to you? Personally, the environment is just so beautiful. Just any time that you look at it from any point of view that you want, it just lo- it's just so breathtaking how certain places in the world and even outside your garden can just be so beautiful and full of life. Katrina, what do you think? Yeah, the same as you. It's hard to kind of like pinpoint exactly about 
the environment, about what I like about it and everything. But then if we think about as well, personal environment, what environment means to us, like my environment here could be my room, it could be, you know, outside. So environment as well as, yes, it means outside or in the wilderness or whatever. But for me personally, environment is anywhere that I feel at home, anywhere I feel safe, anywhere I feel like I can really be myself a bit more. And that's my take on what environment is. I love your definition there about it being not just outside, it's where you are anywhere. And I think that's really cool that your environment is where you're comfortable, it's where you're not comfortable. It really depends on the situation. But for me, environment screams the natural environment. It's everything to me. It's what I live for. It's where I am 95% of my day for work, for pleasure, for everything. And it's amazing to think that everything is our environment as well. You've obviously got your trees and your forests and your oceans and everything, but just the sounds and smells of the environment as well. You can be in the middle of a city and you can smell blossom on a tree. You can be in the middle of the ocean and you've got that smell of the sea and things like that. So it's just the natural environment is everything to us. It gives us everything. But unfortunately, we take it for granted and that's what we've got to start solving. Our podcast group has submitted loads of questions about the environment and understandably too. It's a topic we're all passionate about. And from the questions we collected, we've come up with three. The first question we've got is a really big one. How do we convince people that they should care about the environment? And our first bit of advice on this question is from nature advocate, Marin. How do we convince people that they should care about the environment? I think understanding the root of why people think the way that they do is an important starting point. Can you see any common ground with this person that you can help suggest why they should care for the environment? I've worked with people at a community food bank and garden slash community kitchen where community members themselves have little money to think about what they have to eat each day, let alone caring for plastic packaging that gets sent around the world, hurting communities there. By providing them with basic needs for the food and supporting the education around cooking and growing food, opened up avenues for conversation about how helping the environment benefits everyone. Once people are connected to nature, then they can develop respect and the desire to protect it. It is our job as nature advocates to identify and break down those barriers that prevent people from doing so. I think this advice is really interesting. I think what Marin's touched on was about that connection people have to get first. They can't be expected to care about something or expected to try and make change if they don't care or understand the issues first. I really like that advice. One of the key things was to understand why people think the way they do and to understand why people either care about the environment or don't care about the environment, not just shoving a bunch of facts in their face, showing them what could happen in 10, 20 years. Because most people that don't care about the environment won't care they'll just be like that's not my problem I didn't start it it's not my responsibility when actually it's all of our responsibility as humans of the planet I also loved how Marin said once people are connected to nature they can develop respect and the desire to protect it and I think that's such a good thing to say if you want someone to care about the environment you've got to want to inspire them too. That's how I see this. Katrina, what do you think? Yeah, so similar to Marin, like she's worked with community food banks and gardens and all of that. Myself, I've actually volunteered as a volunteer cadet. And within that, 
I've actually worked within a garden and we, as a group, we just had to restore the garden. And that's my way of obviously giving back to the community. And we do little picks around the community as well, just around the area. And it's really rewarding hearing the stories about our progress and hearing the story behind what we're doing and how it's actually making the environment better, especially within those areas that we've helped. With that, I just, as Marin, she probably felt very rewarded by her actions and I really do feel rewarded which I feel these small changes can make a bigger difference in the long run if we do continue these if we do put ourselves forward to make these changes. Getting people to spend time outside and fall in love with nature sounds like a great way of inspiring people to protect the environment. Thanks for sharing your advice Marin. We have a voice note from special guest Ella Meek a campaigner and co-founder of the environmental charity Kids Against Plastic. Hi, I'm Ella from Kids Against Plastic, and I think the best way to encourage people to care more about our planet is to make them aware of how much this is an issue that's affecting everyone. Things like plastic pollution and climate change used to be things that we knew were affecting the planet, but more generally in the environment and animals. Whereas now, as the years go by and more and more research is published, we're realising increasingly just how much these are issues that are also affecting us humans and ourselves. So I think as we learn about how plastics now in the bloodstream, in our hearts, in internal organs like the lungs and the womb even, it's everywhere in us now. And I think it's something that people find a lot more worrying, unfortunately, than just animals being impacted. So I would say just really making everyone aware of how much plastic and climate change and all of these issues facing our planet is not something that we should just work to protect for the sake of the planet itself in general, but also because it's something that's going to affect us and our future and our children. And that's something people really don't want to see happen. And it's something that we can all work together to try and reduce the impacts of. I thought it was really nicely put, really succinctly put as well. That Just that key message that it's not just the environment we're saving, it's about getting people to understand that we're saving the environment for people are thinking we're going to try and we need to save these species and ecosystems because they genuinely benefit us and the knock-on effects of not saving them will genuinely affect us. And I think if people are more aware of that, they're more likely to understand that their livelihoods are going to change as a result of climate change and perhaps might start people along the train of thought that this is something that is worth caring about. Gracie, how about you? What do you think? I love that she said about making people aware and not just thinking about, oh, it's just the animals, just the environment, just the plants, just everything. Also, it's affecting us just as much as it is affecting animals and the environment and that it's having a biological impact on us, which is really scary. And it's scary anyway with the environment at the minute with ice melting and all of these weather things that are going on it's really scary to actually witness that and as the younger generation as the older generation leaves this is our responsibility now and I don't I think that's what people don't realize as much but Katrina what do you think about this you know that trend ages ago of save the turtles and using paper straws instead of plastic straws was that a trend or was it like 
are we actually doing something? There was a video going around of the woman that sang songs about being vegan and stuff and like how that became a whole trend. And you get what I mean? So you've got all of these stuff, which is great that we need to obviously try and incorporate within our own lives or could save obviously the planet and ourselves and for the future. But are we actually doing something? I think it was really interesting what you said, Katrina, about trends. It's a real problem. I think we touched on this in the social media episode as well. And that's as much a media problem as it is an environment problem as well. The media really gets on board with something. They got really got on board with the plastic pollution, which is great. And suddenly it became the in-trend for companies to kind of respond to that. And that became the done thing because the media made it the done thing. But then they move on to the next one. So the media, I think, has a lot to answer for there in terms of how we respond to these problems moving forward. Understanding the strong connections between people, animals and the environment is vital. The advice we've heard, including from our special guest, Ella Meek, has provided an important insight into this interconnectedness. Our next question explores climate anxiety, which is a massive and very real thing at the moment. While climate change is a global issue, it can also have a very personal effect on us as individuals. So let's unpack some more with question two. How can we deal with anxiety about climate change if we don't feel like we're making enough progress to help the planet? It's hard to get validation on whether we're doing enough. So let's get into some more advice on the topic. The following voice note has been sent in from Josie. Hi, I'm Josie. I'm a young person and I work in a small native tree nursery. I'm also a volunteer with Scotland's Young People's Forest. I know you've got a question about eco-anxiety. And I'm aware that it can feel really overwhelming when it feels like all you can do is small things and things aren't changing quick enough. And I think we can also put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be doing more. So I think when it comes to making a positive difference, I think for me, it works best when I'm doing something that um, feels like authentic to who I am and what my skills are and what I enjoy doing. And I think that's why we need a diversity of people taking climate action because we all have different skills and we all have different things to offer. I wouldn't underestimate the small actions because I think part of climate action is the external stuff. It's the it's the savings you make on carbon. It's the things you don't waste. It's the trees you do plant. I wouldn't underestimate the things that make you feel like you're doing something, even if it does seem small. I think all of that builds up until other people around you can't help but see it and be influenced by it. And yeah, you might be surprised by the ripples that you have just by openly caring about something. So yeah, I'd say find what you love doing and see how that relates to climate action. I love that she said to do something that's authentic to you. So actually picking something that you feel you would be able to do and is something authentic to skills that you personally have is something very important. And to not underestimate the small actions is another thing. Her point about how you have to do what feels authentic to you. Like you said, Gracie, I think that's really important. I've got friends who do loads of work on like studying fish and fish don't interest me really at all. But fish ecology is also so important. But then people would say that about birds and bats, which is my thing. So I think, like she said, having a diversity of people in that way, but also diversity in terms of reaching new audiences. And it's really quite alarming about the sort of inclusion issues with nature conservation. And only recently there was a sort of Black Birders Week set up in in June to highlight people of colour who go birdwatching because that was so underrepresented. And there's now a similar movement for LGBTQ to highlight people in this field in nature and conservation. And 
I think that's all part of it doing being authentic in this discussion and bringing yourself to the discussion that people can genuinely see who you are and see role models from all walks of life and from all minority areas that they're going to start wanting to act on this a bit more. Author, playwright and screenwriter Laline Paul offers us some advice next. How can we deal with anxiety about climate change if we don't feel we're making enough progress to help the planet? I think we have to take breaks. I think you do what you can. And when it becomes overwhelming, stop watching the news. Stop taking in the distressing information. Take a break. Look after yourself. Go for a walk. Do some exercise. Dance to music. See your friends. Eat some lovely food. Look after yourself. Look after the people around you. Replenish yourself. And then you can go back. No one can keep doing it nonstop all the time. It is an impossible task for one person. Her take on it seems pretty spot on on it, to be honest. Like when she said about taking a break, if anything's distressing, looking after yourself, like making sure that self-care is there. Anything that makes you happy that you know is going to help out with the anxiety of the climate situation. It's do what makes you happy. Do what you know is going to help out with that anxiety or that stress because at the end of the day you can't blame everything on yourself and maybe that's what people are like stressing over like it's not a one-person job because it's not me it's not you it's everyone I think Laline hit the nail on head there I think she had some really great ways of dealing with climate anxiety helping you to treat it like you would any other kind of things that are causing you anxiety as well you're going to treat it the same way that you're going to have to have to take breaks and do a bit of what you love be that like she said dancing or reading or going for a walk or anything like that well i do know if i ever feel anxiety about the climate i'm just gonna listen to laleen again it's important to take those breaks and it's important to know that it's actually it, it's impossible i love that she used the word impossible to for one person to take on this massive task of saving the world and saving the environment it can be such a massive thing and i love the fact that she said that if it becomes overwhelming stop watching the news it's so so important to take yourself away from the news because it can all seem so horrible and down but then as soon as you step outside and you actually see how beautiful the world can be and i just i love how lean really made like not feeling that climate anxiety so much easier and so much more doable than it seems before. Finding balance between digesting important information and taking a break from it sounds so crucial to managing eco-anxiety. Thank you, Laleen. Wildlife expert, TV presenter, author and conservationist Chris Packham offers us some advice next. Chris Packham is literally my idol, so this is slightly bizarre. Hello, I'm Chris Packham. I'm a broadcaster and environmental campaigner. Some days I feel quite good. I think that we're making progress. I see that we are better conserving something. Perhaps we're reintroducing something. There are good news stories when it comes to our environmental care. However, other days I wake up and I see some really bad news stories. I get worried. I get worried that we're not going to make the difference that we need to make in the time that we've got left to make it. And that's what we call eco-anxiety. And I think that all of us are susceptible to that. How do I address it? Well, I'm one of those people that thinks that winning is not giving up. It's not about 
reintroducing one more species or achieving this. It's about a never ending series of tasks that you're never going to cross a line to achieve and get a cup and a medal. It's about just keeping going all of the time. And as long as you're moving in the right direction, or as long as you're making some form of positive progress, then that should reduce your eco anxiety. So look for the positive, but take action. Please don't sit back and think that someone else is going to come up with a pill to cure your eco-anxiety. The only person who can do that is you. I really like Chris's advice. I think saying about having good days and bad days, I can really relate to. Some days I wake up and feel like I'm doing enough. Some days I wake up and feel that I'm not. And I think that's okay. I think that's what Chris was saying, was that it's okay to feel like that. And what he was saying about the process of fighting climate change is not... It's not a tick box exercise. It's not reintroducing one species and then we're done. It's never going to be like that. This is clearly a very rolling process. And to kind of accept that, I think is really key. And as he said, moving in the right direction. I think I really enjoyed hearing that. And that is the best that we can hope for in our busy lives. Yeah, so Chris's advice really stood out for me, especially when he said formula positive progress and obviously not giving up, like Chris mentioned when he said winning is not giving up, we're not here to like win 24-7, which will be nice. Like I wish I can, but in reality, it's not going to happen. You're not going to win. And the whole point of it is not to give up. This discussion has already brought up some really important points and perspectives. While making progress on environmental issues is vital, it's equally as important to consider the way that we personally relate to that progress. As Chris said, the only person who can do that is you. So time for question three. Small actions like recycle and turn off your taps have always been suggested as ways to help the planet. But what else can we do as young people to really make a positive difference? Lillian Paul, who we heard earlier, is a writer who explores our connection with the environment. She shares her thoughts on this question with this voice note. I will say that... We need more empathy, more love, more compassion and more spirituality in the world. And that starts with each of us. So never disregard your heart. If you really feel something, honour your feelings and spend some time working out why something makes you angry or why you care about something and then act on it. Have the courage of your convictions and don't let anybody make you feel silly for being too emotional or for caring. Don't let anyone tell you, oh, you don't understand the economics of it. We are living in a revolution and some people can see it and some people refuse to see it. And the status quo has to change if we are going to save the natural world, if we're going to save a decent, kind way of living. In fact, we have to make a more decent and kinder way of living together and living on this earth. And that starts with each of us. Feel your heart, which is going to be painful a lot of the time. And it's totally legitimate to be upset at the state of the world. But each of us can make a difference. I loved what she said about having more empathy and more love, more compassion for the world and just always keeping true to yourself. When she said not to let anyone make you feel silly 
for being emotional, for caring, that really stood out in her advice. So I am half Peruvian, half English. And with representing my culture and all in Peru, obviously we have the Amazon rainforest and I am a dancer. I perform cultural Peruvian style dances and one of them is actually from the Amazon and with that we do tell a story to our audiences about you know saving the rainforest what the rainforest is in right now and that's one thing that I didn't really like showcase because it is not like hip-hop or it's not like a current thing it's to represent my culture and when I was younger I wasn't one to be like oh yeah this that the other and Obviously, now as I grew older, I understood, obviously, it's for my culture, for my country, not only representing my culture and all that, I'm representing the people. And with that, obviously, now, obviously, I don't feel silly. I love every moment of my experience within my dance group, teaching people and telling people about my culture. And it's one way that I can at least honour my ancestors and my people to come in the future. Lillian, thank you for your words of encouragement. And Katrina. Your expression of pride for your culture through traditional dance is truly inspiring. Next up, sharing advice in response to this question is Ed from Norfolk. Hi, my name's Ed. I'm 50 years old and I'm from Loddon in Norfolk. So small actions are important and small behaviours can make up a significant chunk, perhaps up to a quarter of the carbon emission savings we need to make in the next few years. A movement called The Jump has calculated that if everyone undertook six basic behaviours, we could deliver that 25% cut in emissions. And those six things are very simple. One, hold onto your devices, your laptops and your phones for longer, ideally up to seven years. So get rid of that annual upgrade. Two, buy only three new items of clothing a year. Buy secondhand, buy retro, buy vintage. Swap clothes with your friends, but only buy three new items a year. Take only one flight every two to three years, and ideally none at all. Holiday by train or take a staycation in the UK. Four, eat mostly plants and don't waste food. You can have a bit of meat and dairy, but let's go plant-based as much as we can. And don't waste the stuff. Don't buy too much. Don't throw stuff away. Compost what you have to, but try and eat everything. Five, travel fresh. Walk and cycle, obviously. Avoid owning a car wherever possible. Join a car club if you need to. And finally, six, change a part of the system. Change your energy provider or your bank account to renewable energy or a bank that avoids and divests away from fossil fuels. So it's quite a lot to digest, I think, there. He sort of went through the six things you can do to reduce 25% of emissions. I mean, they're hard. I know a lot of them are hard. I know I'm sitting here thinking that there's two or three of them that I would find particularly hard. But I think it's about everyone if everyone's aware at least aware of these things it's about just keeping these things in mind and living within our means and that's a good starting point i think personally i thought in my opinion that was a bit of a roller coaster because the six points that he said to cut down emissions ideally great ideally everyone should do that but then in a realistic point of view like actually having realistic expectations I would applaud the person who could do all six to be fair since a lot of them not only are very hard to do but also with what how society is today been possible especially with holding on to the devices for seven years and it would be extremely hard for me and I feel most people 
people to only buy three pieces of clothing a year, even if you are swapping or giving other people your own clothes, it would be extremely difficult. But I do, I do love the fact that he has given us these six points that I feel like you can still keep to them whilst also steering off for a few things. And if it's too much, just keeping to what you know that you mentally, physically can do. When it comes to the environment, it's natural for people to have different perspectives and opinions. Whether we agree or disagree on specific approaches to climate action, the important thing is that we're having these discussions and exploring different ways to make a positive impact. And now we have a final piece of advice from Chris Packham. In the past, people would say you can make a significant difference by feeding the birds, turning the lights out, riding a bicycle to your work or to school. And of course, all of those things are important. They do make a small difference. And if lots of us do them, they make a proportionally bigger difference. There's no doubt about that. The most significant difference they make is that they make us feel good. And when we feel good, we feel more empowered. But we've got to use that empowerment now to make much bigger differences far more quickly. And that's beyond my scope and your scope. That comes down to decisions that are going to be needed to be made by our government. If you are not happy with the decisions that are being made, ask for those decisions to be changed because we are now moving towards a last stand situation and turning your taps off and doing a bit of recycling is not going to save the world. Your voice could help save the world. Raise it, please. Shout above the noise. Great words from Chris there. Yeah, so if we all stick together, like Chris mentioned, if we all raise it and shout above the noise and all of that that he quotes, we can definitely make a difference and become like how we're meant to be, accepting the planet and helping it for future generations. I love the fact that he really focuses on the fact that we can make a difference and it's not just the small things that we were discussing where it was turning your taps off or recycling and it's not just doing those things and we we should be doing more of voicing how we feel and doing more stuff like we're doing right now, talking about it on a podcast and showing it to the younger generation and just every generation that we can make a difference, not just with what we physically do, but also what we can do with our voice, because our voice is a very powerful thing. Yeah, no, I totally agree with everything both of you said. And I really liked what Chris had to say as well, particularly about small things. They also empower you. They help raise awareness for people. And I think you can't underestimate how important that is that if someone notices you turning a light off or being very vigilant about walking to work or walking to school, they'll start thinking that is worth doing as well. And that's really important. But on the bigger picture, what he had to say about empowerment and raising your voice above the noise, I think that is so crucial. I was lucky enough to go to COP26 in Glasgow. And that was an incredible, incredibly moving opportunity, actually, because there's so many young people in one place shouting for the same thing and actually being physically being heard by the politicians because they were there, they were talking about it there. You can't get away from how powerful that is and how much of a voice and influence we do have. And that is genuinely so important. If you can't get to things like that, then there's marches, write to your MP because 
that has huge impact. They have to reply to your email. They have to reply to your letter. We have that democratic right. So, out of everything we've talked about and the advice we've heard, what stuck with Gracie, Rob and Katrina the most? And how are they planning on using it in their own lives? Yeah, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit because earlier I was talking about how I disagreed with one of the points of only buying three new clothes a year. I'm going to contradict myself a bit. I'm going to take that and instead of buying from fast fashion, exchange clothes, go to charity shops, help small businesses out and buy from them and trying to buy as as little clothes as I actually can. So that's the one thing that I'm going to be taking with me. I think the stuff about climate anxiety really for me stays with me the most. That idea Chris said of winning is not giving up. It's a never-ending process. And as long as we're moving in the right direction, we are doing all right by ourselves. And I think that's so important to keep in mind. How about you, Katrina? Yeah, just stay, sticking with Laline, to be honest, and how I said earlier about her quote on not letting anyone making you feel like caring is silly or whatever it is. So I'm just going to stick with just that quote and obviously with dancing I felt silly at first but now I know my bit that is helping and hopefully that can spread around use of social media I'm going to try and use more to promote help for the environment and hopefully that will work out a bit more so yeah just basically keep on my dancing keep on my promoting and that's what I'm gonna take from today's episode thank you Gracie Rob and Katrina for guiding us through today's episode on the environment This discussion has made us reflect on our relationship with nature, how we can embrace pride for our environmental passions and find happiness in making small practical steps towards positive change. Since this roundtable discussion, each host has been keeping audio diaries to document their progress as they apply the advice they've chosen to try out in their everyday lives. Now let's check in with Rob and see how he's getting on. So my advice from the environment episode, which we recorded a few weeks ago, was to try and let go of those urgent and very uh, unhealthy sort of climate anxiety worries. Or not let go of them because I don't think that's ever possible, but to try and take a step back and, as Chris was saying, to just kind of remember that whatever step you're taking is a good enough step. I've tried to keep that advice in mind when I felt particularly anxious about the climate some days I feel great that I'm you know I'm working conservation and I'm doing my bit it's all great we're solving it we're going to do it some days not so good so it's kind of hard to measure but just by sort of telling myself I'm you know doing the right thing and I can't afford to think like that it's really healthy and it's helping me with my work as well to sort of know that we have the movement of people that really want change for the climate and yeah no that's a really positive feeling actually and I'm definitely going to keep trying it this week The advice Rob's trying out reminds us that progress is all about taking small steps in the right direction. And I can't wait to hear where those small steps have taken him when we check back in with him at the beginning of next week's episode. In the next episode, we are navigating relationships. We unravel three more questions and hear some advice on this topic, whether that be through friendships, family, career or otherwise. Stay tuned for that. But until next time, it's bye for now. Bye for now. now. Navigating Now is a Mags Creative production brought to you by the Duke of Edinburgh's Award with generous support from the Gosling Foundation and RSM. The original theme music is by Capt, 
a young person from our podcast group. And a huge thank you goes out to our podcast group, made up of 31 recent and current Duke of Edinburgh's award participants. I've been your host, Elsie, and we've been Navigating Now. We are all unique, and the issues discussed may impact and affect everyone in different ways. The thoughts and guidance shared and discussed are suggestions and possible approaches, and you should always do what feels safe and right for you. If you've been affected by the issues in this episode, or want to find out more, please see the Duke of Edinburgh's Award website, dov.org, for some contacts and resources you may find useful. You can find the link to this in the show notes.